Hey friends and foes, welcome to Brushwork Podcast. My name is Stephanie Scott and today we have a question and answer episode. Recently, I put out a Ask Me Anything on Instagram and on Twitch, and I've gotten some interesting questions from y'all, my listeners. I'm really excited to just dive right into them, so here we go. My first question comes from Twitch, and the question is, what is the most important factor in a sustainable art career, in your opinion? When I hear this question, I think of it in two different ways. I think of sustainable as a green practice, and I think of sustainable as you know, longevity of an art career. Let's talk about the first one. Sustainable art career is is something that's, you know, good for the earth, good for itself, as in it's healthy for the art career. And I also think it's good morally to have a sustainable art practice. So here, here are my tips. And gosh, I, I just did an episode all about this, so I'm going to be brief. But if you're interested in Project Green Studio, uh, go back to another episode titled just that. But my number one tips for having a sustainable art career is not wasting your materials. And I don't mean being precious about your materials, but I mean, instead of taking your extra paint after, you know, a painting session and wiping it off on a paper towel and then throwing that away, instead of creating trash like that, take your extra paint and put it on a dedicated canvas just for your extra paint. So instead of throwing away your paint, what you're doing is creating an abstract like history capsule of all the colors you've used in the last, I don't know, six months of painting onto your extra paint canvas, which is, it's, it's weird. It's cool. It's interesting. It's fun to touch. I know you're not supposed to touch paintings, but I always like, like to rub my fingers on my extra paint paintings because they're really textured and lots of impasto. Anyways, being good about material disposal, I think is really good for the art studio. You know, if you have markers that you just never use, I'm raising my hand right now, um, instead of just leaving them in a box for actual years, maybe we give them to some art student that needs it, right? (laughs) And, you know, maybe we're keeping our colored pencils forever because they don't really go bad, but being aware of, you know, am I using paper towels? Am I using plastic wrap? Am I using cleaners that aren't good for me to breathe in? (laughs) I think it's good for the planet, it's good for your morals, it's good for your art practice, and it's just a good thing to do all together. I I recommend it. Anyways, go listen to Project Green Studio. It's one of the past few episodes. It's fabulous. Okay, so the, the second part, the longevity part of this question, which is how to keep an art career going, you know, throughout your life. Honestly, I'm I'm kind of a beginner still. Like, I would say I'm intermediate in my skill level, but as the art career goes on, I think, you know, you're, you're a beginner for at least a decade, if not longer, and then you go into mid-career, and an, a, a thorough art career can last up to, you know, 50, 60 years, depending on when you start. To sustain it for the long run, I think you need to have a real, a real love of your craft, and a commitment to the craft in a way that's beyond your money, beyond your small business, beyond your moods, and you, you show up for your art making you know, not not every day, but every day. <laughs> and and it's it's something that you're committed to, but also you're I don't know, you're driven by it. You have a tenacity for it. I know this person only asked for, for one thing, <laughs> but I feel like the second thing that you need to have a sustainable art career is really good support. That means your family and your friends and the space you're in contribute you to making art that that you like, right? So for example, for myself, 
one of the biggest supports I ever got in my life has been that my, my parents have paid for my art education, which has saved me thousands of dollars of debt of student loans that I would have had to pull out anyways. That, that boost, that support, and me being able to be a full-time artist, like, like when I graduated art school, <laughs> I had like three different part-time jobs and I was an artist. And if I had student loans, I would have had to keep having those part-time jobs, probably even till now. Whereas I was able to shave them off one by one over the course of eight years. Does that make sense? Like that kind of support is, it's invaluable as an artist. Having a partner that likes your work, having family members that come to your show, like, hmm, support. Support makes a sustainable art career. Okay, wow. That was a long, that was a long answer for question one. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Okay. Number two is much more personal. My friend on Instagram says, if you weren't an artist, what would I do for work? Shall I tell you a little history about myself? From the ages of like five, maybe four, (laughs) till I was 17 or 18, I thought I was going to be a horse trainer. (laughs) I thought I was going to be an equestrian and show horses and maybe even go to the Olympics someday. I, that's, that's the track I thought I was on. I was really dedicated to being an equestrian and it really shaped me as a person all that time I spent in that, in that field of work. I had a moment where, you know, something was happening in my life and I was like unable to ride anymore. And I, I then pivoted to being an artist and that's kind of how I started, you know, being like, oh, well maybe I'll take all this time and energy I'm putting into being an equestrian and turn it into, okay, I guess I'll go paint now. If I was born somewhere else in a different setting, I think I, you know, I have a really big affinity for geometry and the sciences. And I think that might've been a a track (laughs) that I took instead. Who knows? It's always fun to think of what if, but I'm really happy where I'm at now. Next question is, who is your dream artist collab? Oh... Okay, so if you're one of my friends, you know that I am always asking other artists to collaborate with me on paintings. My favorite is this project that someday I'm hoping to have a a big show where it's just like all of the collaborations I've done with other artists and I'll put them all together. But basically, every time I ask for an artist to do a collaboration with me, I'm like, okay, how about we each get a painting or like a panel the same size and then I start one and you start the other, and then we trade, and we finish each other's painting. And then at the end of it, we get two really cool paintings. And I was like, this is the best idea. I've done this five times now, and I have two in the works currently. <laughs> it's so much fun. But my my dream artist collab, I'm pausing because I have like 10 answers in my brain. <laughs> and I'm a little bit terrified of them happening. <laughs> Because it's like, what if you say it into the universe and then and then the universe delivers and you're like, oh, well, I guess he- here we are doing an artist club. Okay. I think it'd be super cool to do a collaboration of the style with Anthony White. He does these amazing, oh, what is it called? It's like melted plastic, but like they're paintings, but they're melted plastic. They're so cool. They're so cool. He has a show at the Sam right now and I'm like, can't wait to go see it. Maybe next week. <laughs> I think it would be cool to do a collaboration with Zoe Frank. She's one of my favorite artists. And I I met her on one of my residencies in Italy. And I was like, holy cats, you're so good at painting. <laughs> I think that would be cool. 
Um, gosh, I, just like anyone really would be amazing. So, okay, look, what I'm saying is if you are a painter and you're like, I think it'd be cool to do a collaboration with Stephanie, you should just hit me up because I'm probably going to say yes. But like, but like if our, if our styles go together, you know, <laughs> all right, all right. Enough with that one. Okay. So this one's from Twitch. How much art and other media do you need to consume compared to how much art you make? Oh, I've never thought of that before. How much art and other media do you need to consume compared to how much art do you need to make? I definitely consume a lot more art than I make art, simply because you, you know that feeling when you're speaking and you're speaking really quickly and you're getting your thoughts out, but then you go to type it and it takes, or like write it out even, and it takes so much longer to get your thoughts out. It's the same sort of thing where it's like me making something takes so much time. And so I'm, I'm looking at so much more art than I am actually making it simply because of the hours it takes to make just one painting. I think I spend about 15 hours on average per painting. It depends on the size though. Maybe like five times as much art you need to look at <laughs> before, before I make things. Like that's, that's like my average probably. I should count someday. Like, how much art am I consuming? Like, count how many pieces of art I look at every day. The internet makes it too easy. It's it's so fast. <laughs> You're just looking at so much artwork. The next question is, are there art style trends? And which one is next? That's a great question. I think there is art style trends. Sometimes when I look at fashion, I see trends in color, right? Y'all notice this when you go to the mall or what if you go to the mall, <laughs> whatever the youngins do these days, but you look at fashion and you're like, okay, these colors are trendy. And you know, do you remember that time in like 2005 when mustaches were like all the rage? Art, art goes through the similar styles and trends and ideas. I feel like large pieces of art are really popular right now. I feel like I see more shows have really big paintings then I see shows with a lot of smaller, more intimate paintings. What's next? I don't know if I'm qualified to talk about what's next, but a resource I use for finding out what sort of things are trendy for like production, like when I'm making bags or other prints or things like that, is I will look on Etsy's, it's like Etsy's shopping guide or like Etsy's trend guide. They often will tell you really good things about what colors are gonna be more popular what sort of trends they're seeing, what people are looking up. Um, like, for example, for winter of 2022, they told me that velvet is going to be even more trendy and like flashy, sparkly things, which tells me as an artist that a lot of texture is going to be really popular soon. People are also looking at dark greens. I feel like green is going through a big trend right now. And I see a lot of it in just like when I look at Instagram, <laughs> <laughs> Not that likes mean anything, but when I see paintings that have higher numbers of engagement, it's a lot of like botanical things and a lot of green things. I don't know why, but that's when I noticed it. Versus at the beginning of the year, I noticed a lot of um, kind of like corally colors were really popular. And pastel colors are really popular this year. They've like transcended, <laughs> they've transcended seasons, which is unusual. I don't know. It's interesting. It's always fun to think about, but you know, honestly, as a as a painter, I I tend to disregard trends. Like, what's a trend that happened recently? Do you remember you probably see it now, but you know that like three-layer arch 
that's really popular. Usually it's in more neutral, but also pink colors. It's like, like almost a rainbow, but it has three stripes. I feel like I've seen that arch all over the place for like three years. And people have asked me to make paintings of it, but I, I disregard that like symbol because it's so common. And I now after I've seen it for like years, <laughs> actually, I it, it seems cheap to me. You know that fabric, uh, what's it called, boucle? And you see it on furniture sometimes in magazines and on the internet. I, I don't think it's going to be a long-lasting good trend. I think people are going to look at it at a certain point and be like, that's tacky. And so that's why you got to, you know, be aware of trends, but like, don't let them like lead your direction. The next question is, what accessories do you invest in as a professional artist? Uh, things like shoe inserts or wrist supports. Well, okay, so, hmm, accessories that I that I use. I used to wear an apron almost every time I painted, but I've since, in the last four years or so, gotten neater in how I paint, so I don't wear it as often. I definitely wear shoe supports, and I always wear tennis shoes when I paint, just because my, my, my body gets tired if I don't, if I just go barefoot. I used to paint on an easel, now I paint on the wall, and I'm always standing when I paint. I have a concrete floor that I'm painting on. So I've got one of those like really cushy mats that cashiers will stand on at like the grocery store or something. And I have one of those in front of my paintings and I try to stand on that as much as possible. Those are my biggest physical accessories that I use. I, I have so many other accessories that are good for painting. Um, for example, I really love a uh, tube crimper. <laughs> Is how I'm going to describe that. You know, when you have like um, like a tube of toothpaste or of paint in this case, and you're like, I'm trying to get everything out and it's like the last dredges of it. I have this crimper where you put one end through the crimper and then you clamp it down and it kind of uh, rolls all the leftover material inside the tube up to the front, which is really handy. Um, I have a couple of softbox lights in my studio that are good for winter months. It's September right now, almost October. And those will be very handy when it gets dark at 5 p.m. here in the Pacific Northwest. Other things are some really good rulers. <laughs> I'm a geometric artist, so that means I need rulers of all size. And I have five or six different lengths of them in my studio. And some of them have cork backs and some of them are slick. Some of them are skinny. Some of them are really lightweight. I've, they're great. Those are Those are my biggest accessories. You know, I don't have to have them, but... They're really nice. How many years does it take till you can financially support yourself as a full-time artist? Is the next question from Twitch. You know, I don't think there is an average. I think everyone's path is really different. I I kind of said this earlier, but I I worked part-time jobs for my art career, like to support my art career for eight years after graduating from art school. That was a really good time to have. So basically you go through like these stages where, you know, you, you have all these part-time jobs and your art isn't making any money, right? And you're just, you're making it and you're selling it to maybe one friend or something. Um, and it's just like very minimal and you're, you're just getting better as an artist. So it's a perfect time for practicing and for having many other jobs. I started to shave off the jobs when my art started supporting itself. And I think that's the biggest milestone. When your artwork pays for itself, where it pays for your, if you're renting a studio, it pays for that consistently. 
it pays for your materials, it pays for everything where you're getting the numbers right, people are buying your work, and you're making a profit enough that you're not using your personal funds to support the art. Like, getting to that stage is huge. And I wouldn't wouldn't consider making your art an art business until that can happen. In Washington State, you don't need to have a business license unless you're making, I think it's like $14,000 a year with your artwork. So you have a lot of grace period. It's probably different in other states, so this is not legal advice. <laughs> but um, that's that's something good to know. Getting to the point where you can financially support everything in your life takes a long time. And I still occasionally take one-off jobs to help fill the blanks. I know some very successful artists who never quit their day job. And... I feel like my advice is to hold on to your day job as long as possible. One thing that switched me over is that I was making enough money to support my artwork and it was equal to the money I was making in my other part-time job. And so at some point you're going to get to that point where you're like, okay, I'm making enough money to support the art studios, to support the materials, and it's the same amount of money I'm making in my other job. So at that point, it's just an equation of where am I spending my time? And I kept the part-time job for probably eight months after that realization. And then I started doing the math of, you know, okay, I can do a five-minute drive to my studio and a 45-minute drive to my um, part-time work. And the part-time work was I had to work there for two hours to pay for the gas to get to that job and things like that. Like, if you're considering you know, going full-time with your art, you need to get rid of any sort of sentiment you have about being an artist full-time and be really aggressively logical about the numbers of how much money you're making on your part-time job or your day job or whatever you're calling it and, um, and see where the logic lies. Another thing to consider with art and money is that it's not the same every month. There's some artists who are digital artists and maybe they have like a Patreon and that can be really consistent. But for my work, I make the majority of my money in the fall between September and December. And then I usually have a dry sale for two months. And then I have like a springtime sale. (laughs) Not sale, but like that's when I get more sales. And then in the dead of summer, I almost make no money. So the money I'm making... (laughs) In like the spring and fall, I'm I'm accounting for that carrying me over into the other, you know, what am I called? Dead months, four months of the year. And that's something else to consider when you're an artist. Yeah. You know, I, I think I'm just going on this art business tangent, but, you know, being a full-time artist isn't for everyone and isn't for every style of art. And I've, I've met several people who have been like, I'm going to be a full-time artist and you know, they were able to make a business happen, but their love of the craft completely died because they put the pressure of money onto it. You should really think about if this is even right for you. Not not that you can't do it, but is it right for your artwork and your love for the artwork? Okay. (laughs) That was was a good tangent. (laughs) To wrap that up, it's how many years does it take till you can financially support yourself as a full-time artist? You know, it depends on the person. There is no average. It depends on your art and your your ability to make money, basically. <laughs> the next question is properly silly, and I love it, so we're going to answer it. 
Does being a professional painter affect how you brush your teeth? <laughs> uh, you know, maybe. <laughs> Basically, my goal in life is to live as long as possible so I can make as many paintings as I could possibly make. You know, so like I'm really motivated to be healthy and brushing your teeth is like good for your 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 whole body and everything with plaque in your heart and I'm not a doctor so I don't really know all these terms but it's it's good for your health so yeah I probably brush my teeth more because I'm a professional painter and I want to paint well into my 80s so ta-da <laughs> okay the next question is how much time do you spend trying to help yourself and your friends hack the algorithm I think this is an Instagram question but I can't remember how much time do I spend trying to help myself and my friends hack the algorithm? That's a really funny question, and I really like it. Let's see. By hacking the algorithm, I think you probably mean, like, being, um, quote-unquote, successful on Instagram. In which case, I uh, spend, I don't know, I think I spend at least half an hour every day doing art business stuff on Instagram. And that means commenting on my friends' work commenting on strangers' work who I think might be interested in my artwork, posting, making videos, things like that. So probably half hour every day, which is like, which is like uh, three and a half hours every week. So yeah, that's how long I spend trying to help myself and my friends hack the algorithm. <laughs> that was such a good question. Uh, what's something... Okay, this question is also from... Uh, actually, I think this is from my website. So what's something you're looking forward to this fall outside of art? Well, you want to know my hobbies, eh? Okay. Well, have I ever told you about NaNoWriMo? If you're unfamiliar with NaNoWriMo, it is National Novel Writing Month. And it's actually international, but they just never changed the name. And basically, in the month of November, you're trying to write 50,000 words, which is approximately the size of a novel. And, uh... You do it in November. It's about 1,600 words every single day. And it takes me about an hour and a half every day. And I've done this for 10 years. I write a novel every November for the last 10 years. And not every year do I win, which means getting to 50,000 words. But, you know, I think it's been seven times I've gotten to 50,000 words. And these, these books are not really leaving my computer or ever going to be shown the light of day because I don't want them to. It's just for fun. But this year, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to write out every day 1,660 words or whatever, and uh, I'm going to write out prompts for this podcast, a new podcast prompt every single day. I think it's going to like take the ideas I have for the podcast and really bump it up into something exciting and interesting. That's what I'm looking forward to this fall, NaNoWriMo. If you're interested in NaNoWriMo, it's a nano... N-A-N-O-W-R-I-M-O dot org. And uh, you can sign up right now, I think. You want to do it with me? You should leave a comment on a, on on this episode if you're going to do NaNoWriMo with me because they're so fun. They're so fun. My favorite part about National Novel Writing Month is doing some of the meetups where you can go into these uh, public spaces and... Someone will organize a meetup where you will bring your laptop or whatever your writing utensil is, and you go and you do writing sprints where you like write for 20 minutes, but like with other people who are also doing NaNoWriMo. And usually I don't know anyone who shows up to them, and you make new friends, and 
being around other people who are also writing is really encouraging. And sometimes there's races and prizes and whatever. It's it's super fun. So would encourage it if you've ever been like, I want to write a book or I want to write literally anything. It's the best. It's so good. All right. I have a few more questions and then we'll wrap this episode up. Okay. So this next question is from Instagram. And the question is, what do you do to relax with such a busy schedule? And, you know, I just love talking about chilling out and relaxing because I have so many hobbies. Like, I, I, I think my hobby is collecting hobbies. But my, my favorite thing to do to relax is to read. I am an avid fantasy reader. I love YA books. I love biographies and art books. I'm in not one but two book clubs. That's, that's my favorite thing. Are you a reader? Will you let me know in the comments what your favorite book is? Or maybe even what you're currently reading? Because I want to know. I love books. My next question, also from Instagram, what people or things inspired you to become an artist, specifically a painter? Gosh, that's like such a giant question. I feel like I was around a lot of artists growing up. I was around a lot of people who collected art. And so I was exposed to a lot of paintings, really great paintings as a child. And that was really, I mean, it's kind of a vague answer and kind of a boring answer, but it's, it's no one person or thing that made me want to be an artist. It was, it was just continuously seeing great art and being encouraged when I picked up a pencil and a paintbrush to keep making art. And the friends I had around me were also creative people. They sewed, they drew, they took photographs and you want to do what your friends are doing. And all of my friends happened to be artists. It was, it was pretty good. Okay, so this next question is um, cheesy, but I love it. My friend Stephanie asked me, uh, how'd, how'd you get so cute and funny and just nice? And, um, you know, sometimes you just gotta, like, throw a virgin off a cliff, and then suddenly you're just the most charismatic person you've ever met. You just, you know, a little bit of ritual sacrifice, just, it really just gets you where you need to go. So, you know, highly recommend. 10 out of 10. I'm just kidding. Do not throw people off cliffs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. And my very, very last question is what other artists living or dead inspire you? All right. So my, my favorite artists living or dead, I, I feel like I kind of answered who my favorite living artists were before when I asked, answered the question of uh, who would I like to collaborate with? But I feel like my favorite artists who are not living currently, you know, they might raise from the dead or something. Today's the first day of fall and I'm just like in spooky season full out. I'm ready. I'm ready for creepy references. Anyways, my current favorite artist that I've really been looking at is Rosa Bonheur. And she does a lot of just really ro romantic, almost, paintings of animals. She's in many museums, and I think her her life is really interesting. She's a queer artist, and she she lived in a time where that was extremely dangerous and challenging. I, I really look up to that. She has some cool biographies out there. Another one is um, my favorite landscape painter, which is Corot. I was introduced to him when I had that art residency a couple, gosh, in, in 2015, and... Ever since I saw his first paintings, and then was able to go to some of the places where he painted at, I just, I'm captivated by his artwork, by his paintings, and his compositions, and even his studio works, which are, you know, very narrative and very cute. <laughs> just, you know, a man can paint some trees, 
and he paints them so well that it just blows my mind. So those two are some of my favorite artists who really inspire me that aren't currently living, I think. <laughs> all right. All right. That's all for today. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of Freshwork Podcast. I hope you liked this very casual conversation style of podcast. And if you want another Q&A episode, maybe in the spring, I'll, I'll think about it. Send me your questions because I would love to answer them. All right, friends and foes, make good choices, and I hope you have a good day. Bye!